Today we finish a set of 48 verses, all of chapter 10, where God has revealed a glorious truth to the church. And as he concludes this revelation, as he wraps it up, he does so with an exclamation point. Now, the truth that God has revealed, it is big, it is huge, it is important that we're sure of it, and especially these days in our church and in the church today, it is imperative that we have settled this truth. And the truth is this. Listen very carefully. The gospel is for all people. The gospel, listen, is for all people. And by placing your faith in Jesus Christ, any sinner is saved. That is the revelation that he has gone through in this 10th chapter. The gospel is for all people, and any person trusting in Jesus Christ by faith is saved. Now, listen very carefully. What that means is it doesn't matter if you are rich or if you are poor, if you are esteemed in the world, or if you're a castaway, if you are educated, or if you're uneducated, if you are dark skinned, or if you're lighter skinned. It doesn't matter if your sins are secret or if your sins are all over town and everybody knows about them. It doesn't know who your family is. It doesn't matter who your bank account is. It doesn't matter if you're old or if you're young. It doesn't matter what nation you come from. It doesn't matter what language you speak. It doesn't matter what struggle you have. The gospel is for all people. The gospel is for all people. Any person, listen, that trust in Jesus Christ is saved. That is the good news, and that is the revelation of this 10th chapter. Well, today we come to the last five verses, and as tremendous as that is, as, as awesome as that is, he takes these last five verses, and he ends this, this great thought, this great truth, with an exclamation point. He sums it all up today with an exclamation point. The message today is entitled, The Exclamation Point. The Exclamation Point. Verse uh, Acts chapter 10, verses 44 through 48. Acts chapter 10, verses 44 through 48. The exclamation point. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. God's Word says this. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message. All the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God. Then Peter answered, Surely no one can refuse the water for those to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did, can he? And he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to stay on for a few days. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come and I, I pray first off rejoicing in you. I'm thankful for a gracious God. I'm thankful for a loving God. I'm thankful for our Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm thankful that we have hope that endures today. I'm thankful that we have a peace, especially in these days, <coughs> that the world can't rob away. And Lord, now I, I pray as we begin to study your word, as we close out this 10th chapter, 
I pray that you, Lord, would truly speak. I pray that you would have our ears, that you would have our minds, that our hearts would be given to this and that you would speak to us. I pray that we would be instructed today as the church. I pray that we would be led, advanced today as the church. Lord, I pray that the end result is that you would be glorified and known through the church. Lord, I pray if there's one in this room that doesn't know you today, that doesn't have peace today, found only in Jesus, Lord, I pray that today is the day of their salvation. Lord, I I give you this service. It is yours, and we give it to you as an act of worship. We ask, Lord, that you would move through it. We love you, we praise you, and we thank you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now, if you think about this 10th chapter, you'll realize that so far, God has gone to great lengths to make sure, to make certain that Peter, that the Jewish believers, that the Gentiles, and really for, for all the church, even for us today, he has gone to great lengths to show that God is no bigot that his grace and his kindness are extended to all people. Now, I want to say this right here. This wasn't a change. Now, some would say, well, maybe God changed the plan or maybe God adapted the plan, but this wasn't a change. This was his plan all along. And remember, this was the promise that was made to Abraham, that through his descendant, through the Christ, through Jesus, that all nations and all peoples would be Blessed. Well, in this 10th chapter, again, God has gone through great lengths to demonstrate to Peter, to demonstrate to all of these other folks that God is no bigot and that the gospel is for all people. Well, now as the climax of the account, as the capstone of the account, God wraps it all together and he does so with a punch. He, he wraps it all together. There's been a vision, and, and, and Peter had a vision, and, 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 the other, and, and they had a vision over here in, in, in Caesarea, and then he travels and sends a delegation to Joppa, and, and, and they go and they find Cornelius and all of these things, and he breaks in all of these things. There's been this, this crescendo, this building, and now God ends it with an exclamation point. And so I want you to see in these five verses today how this ends. Let's begin in verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message. Get this, the exclamation point of the entire account is the coming of the Holy Spirit to these Gentiles who believe. Now, we're going to see that. We're going to walk through these verses. We're going to examine that. But the the crescendo, the high point, the, the exclamation point, is the coming of the Holy Spirit in great power to these Gentiles who believe. The Bible says the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, He fell on those who were listening. Now, that word for fell on, in the original language, it means to come upon. And so understand here, the testimony of Scripture is the Spirit of God came upon, He comes to those 
who were listening. Now notice, it says, while Peter was still speaking these words. Now talk about an interruption. He's there and he's got his ears pinned back and he's telling the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and he's telling what our faith is based upon. And in the midst of that, while he was still speaking those words, there's this interruption. Now, what words was he speaking? Well, be sure to understand again. We saw this last week. He has preached to them. He is preaching to them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, remember the episode. They asked, tell us what God has commanded for you to tell us, to, to, to deliver to us. And so they say, tell us, please, what God has commanded you, what God has given for you to tell us. Well, he responds and he tells them of Jesus the Nazarene. Remember, it was a specific Jesus. It wasn't just any person. It wasn't just any Jesus. But he tells them of Jesus the Nazarene. Then he tells them of his death on the cross. Then he tells them of his resurrection from the dead. And he preaches to them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, Paul later would say that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. And so when they say, tell us what the Lord has for us to hear, tell us what the Lord has commanded for you to give us, he preaches the gospel to them. <clears throat> now, I want to make the point again today. I made it last week. I want to make the point again today. The difference in the church and the rest of the world, the difference in the message of the church and the message of the rest of the world, you see, we do not have matching messages. The power of the church is the preached gospel of Jesus Christ. And man, we need to embrace that today. We need to understand that today. You know why we're not like every other organization? You know why we're not like the Lions Club or the Rotary Club? You know why we're different than any other organization? It is the preached message of Jesus Christ. The Bible says it is the power of God unto salvation. We need not forget that. The central thing in the church is the preaching of the gospel. The banner that we hold high in the church is the preaching of the gospel. If you're to get near the church today, you ought to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so he preached the gospel of Jesus. But I want you to see more than that. There's more than that. He has preached the gospel, but I want you to see what specific words were spoken right before the, the Holy Spirit comes. The last words before this marvelous interruption. Now listen to verse 44. And while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who were listening to the message. Now I want to back up to verse 43. What were the exact words? What are the words? That through his name, everyone who believes in him receives the forgiveness of sin. The, the exact words before the, the Holy Spirit comes, Peter is preaching and he says that through his name, Everyone who believes in him receives the forgiveness of sins. 
the last words, if you believe, whoever you are, anyone, everyone, if you believe in him, anyone who believes receives the forgiveness of sin. Those are the last words. Well, guess what? They believed. Friends, I want you to understand today we need to be very certain. How are we saved today? It is by faith in Jesus Christ alone. When are we saved today? Is it by doing things? Is it by joining a church? Is it by having a checklist? When are we saved today? Listen, it is in the instant that we believe in faith in Jesus Christ. There is nothing left to do. There is nothing left undone. There is nothing more to seek. We are saved in belief and trust in Jesus Christ. Wow, how awesome that is. He says, you know what? Anyone who believes will be saved. The forgiveness of sin. And they must have believed as they sat and as they heard. And the Holy Spirit comes. Oh, wow. They believed. They believed. How awesome. All right, verse 45. All the circumcised believers, these were the, the Jews who had converted, who had put their faith in Christ, who came with Peter, remember there were six of them, were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. Now these, these six Jewish believers, they came with Peter from Joppa and, and their whole life, their whole upbringing, the things that their daddies taught them and their, their granddaddies taught them were that the Jews were the only folks that were God's people, that God's salvation was only going to be for them, that only a Jew could ever be saved, and surely they would have never thought it would have been these pagan Gentiles. And so the Bible says when they hear the preaching of the gospel and when he says anyone who believes will have the forgiveness of sin and the Holy Spirit comes, the verse says they were amazed. The word literally translates, if you look it up in the original language, they were beside themselves. It, it literally, most literally translates, they were out of their minds. These six guys... They, they're sitting there and they hear this gospel and they wonder what in the world's going on here. I'm not, I don't think they could ever hear this and receive this anyway. You know what? This, this Savior was for the Jews. He's out of the Jews. And, and they are beside themselves. When they see what happens, they are out of their minds. Now, I want you to be sure. I don't, I don't know if we're all the way awake today, but I want you to be sure and see this. It wasn't like these six guys go, hmm, that is That is interesting. They jump up and they yell, Shazam. That is a Hebrew word for wow. It's actually not. Gomer Pyle started that, but it sounded good. They are astounded. They are astounded. They can't be saved. Listen, the Holy Spirit came. They have believed they're saved. They are beside themselves. They, these six guys, they are astounded. Shazam. Wow. They are astounded out of their minds. That's what the verse says. Now, let me hammer out some stuff right here. And let me just tell you, it does matter. We're going to hammer out some stuff to this message. It does matter. It does matter. First, notice this. It says, the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out. Here's a question. When does the Holy Spirit come? When does the Holy Spirit come? 
It comes, He comes when we are saved. I want you to hear that. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ and when we are saved, we are filled with the Holy Spirit of God. When does the Holy Spirit come? He comes in the instant that we are saved. Ephesians 1.13 says, And after listening to the gospel and having believed, they were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. They heard the gospel. They believed in the gospel. They were saved. And the instant they were saved, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of, of, of promise. When do we receive the Holy Spirit of God? It is when we are saved. Listen to me, church. There is not another event. There is not another transaction. It is not at a later time. It is not in an installment of other times. Now, let me, let me answer this. Why? Now, a lot of these questions I'm going to talk about today, I, I wonder, well, why? A lot of folks tell me the answer, but no one ever said why. Why is it so imperative that we understand we receive the Holy Spirit upon our faith salvation? It is because of this. Listen very carefully. You cannot live as a follower of Jesus Christ apart from the filling of the Holy Spirit of God. You cannot live as a Christian apart from the filling of the Holy Spirit of God. You cannot do it. Well, guess what? God gives us everything we need in the salvation to the utmost when we are saved totally and fully in Jesus Christ. That's why we have the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Next question. What do you do to receive the Holy Spirit? Now, I'll just, I want to be very scriptural here. I want to tell you what this, what this section of verses says. But this is a greatly distorted teaching today. What do you do to receive the Holy Spirit of God? Is there a certain prayer? Is there a certain prayer? Are there certain words that you have to say? Do, do you have to seek it? Do you have to, oh, do you have to want it? Do you have to chase it? I'm, I'm going to chase the filling of the Holy Spirit of God. Is it some exhibit of holiness? And if you can exhibit holiness and this level of holiness, then you're filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Is it in the event of baptism? What do you have to do to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God? Notice the word gift. Listen, you do not have to do anything to receive the Holy Spirit of God. When you believe in Jesus by faith, when you are saved, you are filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Settle that today. When you are saved, you are filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Hold on a minute. Don't we need to have another service? Hold on a minute. Aren't there other prayers we need to pray? No. When you are saved, you're filled with the Holy Spirit of God. There's nothing you have to do. It was a gift. Galatians chapter 3, verse 2, it says, and this is the only thing I want to find out from you. Paul's writing to the churches in southern Galatia. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by works of the law? Did you have to do things? Is that how you received the Holy Spirit? Or he says, or was it by hearing with faith? There are people today 
and they're in entire denominations, and they chase the filling of the Holy Spirit of God. And they focus on it, and they seek it, and they pray for it, and they search it out. And the truth is this. If they've believed in Jesus Christ by faith, they already have him. They're, they're sitting around, and their focus is, oh, I'd like to have that. And, oh, I messed up this week, so I must not have that. And I don't feel as emotional as I did last week. And, you know what, it's been a down month or a down year, and I don't know where I'm at with God, and so I need that. And they spend their entire focus seeking something they already have that is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. Now, why does that matter? Now, here's the deal. No one ever told me why that matters. They say, well, that's how it is. Well, why does it matter? And let me just tell you what the world says. The world says it doesn't matter. The world says it's okay. The world says who cares? If that's what they believe, who cares? If that's the conclusion they've come to, it does not matter. Well, let me tell you why it matters. Let me tell you why. It is because the testimony of Scripture is the Holy Spirit of God, listen, always leads us to Jesus. The Holy Spirit always leads us to exalt Jesus. In fact, He exalts Jesus. The Holy Spirit of God leads us to worship Jesus. And listen, it's not the other way around. Finding, the, finding Jesus doesn't lead us to exalt or to worship the Holy Spirit. Let me, be, let me just lay it out for you. Satan would like nothing more than to take a group of people and to take their attention off of Jesus and to take their attention off the gospel of Jesus and to take their attention off the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus and to make the focus of those people chasing something they already have. Listen, that is what happens. That is what's happening all around us. There are whole sets of people, instead of focusing on Jesus and the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus, their entire focus is searching for something they already have. Last piece, and we'll move to the next section. Well, how much of the Holy Spirit do we receive? Let me, let me be clear in this as well. The Holy Spirit, He is an individual. He is a member of the Godhead, the Trinity. He is an individual. The Holy Spirit, He is an individual. And as an individual, listen very carefully, He is indivisible. He is indivisible because He is an individual. And so I want you to see that this just makes sense. So when you receive the Holy Spirit of God, you receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit of God. You receive the totality of the Holy Spirit of God. He does not come in installments. Now, if I came up here today and said, you know what? I want you to receive Jesus. I want you to trust Jesus. But you know what? You're not ready for two-thirds of him. Maybe a third would be a good start. And so today, I want you to receive a third of Jesus, the easy third. But you know what, if you, if you stick with this and you advance, you know what would be good for you? The second, third. And I'd like to see you, and we'll have a great service. We'll sing songs that match the, the second two-thirds. No, Jesus is an individual, 
And when you receive Jesus, you receive all of Jesus, the totality of Jesus, or you receive none of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is an individual, and because he's an individual, he is indivisible. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive the totality, the wholeness of the Holy Spirit of God. Verse 46. For they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God. Then Peter answered. Verse 46. These Jewish believers, they needed a sign. Now, they didn't need just a sign. They needed an overwhelming sign. They needed a visible sign. They needed an audible demonstration and it needed to be clear. You know what? This makes no sense. This is out of the realm of possibility. This doesn't match up with anything I've learned. They need an audible, visible demonstration. And so these Gentiles, upon hearing the gospel, upon believing the gospel, upon receiving the Holy Spirit, the Bible says they spoke in tongues and they exalted God. That means they lifted up God. That's what they did. Now, here's the crazy thing. It was just like at Pentecost. And that, that's why this sign impacted these six guys to this extent. Because they say, you know what, this is what happened to us. This is what happened at Pentecost. This is what happened when we were filled with the Holy Spirit. And so it's not something they're having to figure out. They're saying, we understand what has happened here. It's just like in Acts chapter 1 when the Jewish converts were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, the word for tongues here, it is the Greek word for language. It, it, it is defined as the language of another nation, and it is actually even deeper than that. It, it is the language that distinguishes that nation. And so I want you to understand, this, this is what God's Word says. He could have picked a million words. This is the one He specifically picked it was not gibberish. It was not just making sounds. It was not ecstatic speech. It was a language. Now, just like the French will be known for their language and the Spanish will be known for their language, a language that distinguishes the nation, this was a language of another nation that they did not know. Now, this is miraculous. They didn't know the language, and they are now fluently speaking this language. It was miraculous. It was marvelous. Was it real? You better believe it was. It was real. Yes, it was real. It was miraculous. Yes, it was real. And it was a sign. It was a confirmation of the gospel. It was the, the sign that there was salvation for all people through the hearing of the gospel. And they see, you know what has happened to us has now happened to them. Let me answer a question here that's a big question. Do you have to speak in tongues to be saved? Do you have to speak in tongues to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Does speaking in tongues mean that you have a greater extent of the Holy Spirit? Those are big teachings. Those are popular teachings. Those are growing teachings. Do you have to be saved? Do you have to speak in tongues to be saved? Do you have to speak in tongues to have the Holy Spirit? Is that the sign? 
Or does speaking in tongues mean that you have a greater extent of the Holy Spirit? Let me just tell you this. I never have. And if I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit, let me tell you this. You do not want me as your preacher for several reasons, but the first is this, because I'm not saved. Because I'm not saved. And I want to tell you, when I put my faith in Jesus Christ, not because I'm good, because of the opposite. Not because I had something God needed, but because of the opposite. When I put my faith in Jesus Christ, I was filled and dwelt with the totality, the fullness of the Holy Spirit of God. Now listen, I can, I can walk around and I can deny that and I can squelch that and I can push him down, but I am filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And I want to tell you, as the preacher of this church, you should run if I do anything but lead and anything but the leading of the Holy Spirit of God. But I have never spoken in tongues. It was a sign and it worked, and they were convinced. Verse 47. Peter continues and says, Surely no one can refuse the water for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did, can he? Surely no one can refuse the water for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did, can he? Just like we did. A lot of, a lot of scholars call this chapter, chapter 10, the Gentile Pentecost. That's what it was. Just like we did, they have. Surely they should not, not be allowed to be baptized. All right, verse 48. And he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, the understanding of salvation through Christ. Then they asked him to stay on for a few days. Peter says, why should they not be baptized? Why, why, what would prohibit them from being baptized? And then the, the count tells us they were baptized. Let me hammer some more stuff out right here. And it is important. Listen, it's important. Did baptism save them? No. Was it a part of their salvation? No. Was it, was it a piece? Was it a step? Was it a step that they had to do to be saved? Was it a step of their salvation? No. Was it necessary for them to be saved? No. Was it necessary for the coming of the Holy Spirit? Listen, He'd already come. They'd already believed. They were already saved. No. Baptism was a sign. It was a symbolic testimony. I want you to listen very carefully. This is important. If baptism is necessary to be saved, if baptism has any part in salvation, then there is a work that we must do to be saved. And that is not our gospel. That is not our gospel. And so the Bible says if it's not the true gospel, if it's not this gospel, the Bible says we must reject it. Folks, I want you to understand today and I want you to hear today, we are not saved in baptism. We are not saved in baptism and to say that we are is a lie and it's not our gospel. It is not the gospel. It is not God's word. Now I've heard this next part very frequently behind that thought. And that is this. Well, why do, why do you have to say that? 
Why do you have to say that? Why do you have to make that distinction? Why do you have to bring that out? Why can't we just let that slide? Why can't we just agree to disagree? It sounds like everything else is in place. It sounds like they're using our scriptures. It sounds like they're exalting the name of Jesus. Why can't we just say, you know what, it's a difference of interpretation. It's just a plain old difference. Why can't we leave it like that? You want to know why? It is because there will be people and they will show up in judgment and they will point to a baptism and they will have trusted in a baptism. They will have put their faith in a baptism, whether it was as an infant, and they'll say, you know what, I was baptized on the eighth day at the St. Mary's Church of whatever. Or maybe as a young person, I was saved it here. Or maybe it was as an adult, and they'll say, you know what, I was baptized, and it was for the forgiveness of sin, and I'll point to that baptism. I've even got a certificate that says it. My friends and my family were there, and they will point to a baptism. They will trust in a baptism. They will put their faith in a baptism. And on that day, they will have missed Jesus. Friends, we are saved by faith in Jesus, not of any work that any man should do. That's what God's word says, lest we would boast. No, it is in Jesus. And if we take up any work, we miss Jesus. That is the plan of Satan. That is his ploy. And that is why it matters. We are saved not of any work that a man should do, not of any list we cross off, not of any deed, not of anything we memorize. We're saved as sorry sinners in need of a Savior by the grace of God through the blood of Jesus alone. Don't say any different. Don't say any different. Don't say any different. Now right there, <coughs> I want us to picture this scene. And I, I want us to throw the brakes on right there. And man, what is happening in these five verses? What is the, what is the exclamation point of these five verses? I want you to see the scene. And so man, we've learned some good things. We've learned some imperative things. God has taught us through this 10th chapter but now we come to the conclusion of this 10th chapter and I want you just to pull back for just a second and I want you just to see how this whole thing ends. Picture the scene. Imagine the scene. Think for just a second. Can you imagine what a celebration this must have been? Can you imagine what a celebration this must have been? Here's this guy, Cornelius, and you know what? He, he knows some Jewish folks, and he's heard about their God, but he doesn't know him. He can't, he can't find any peace with him. And you know what? He's trying to do a bunch of good things, and he's known as devout in his community, and he, and he, he, he wants to know how to have fellowship with this God, but he, he can't seem to figure it out. And, and, and so here he is, and, and he's trying to pray, and he's trying to be devout. He's trying to do these things, but, but he has no peace with God. And then he tells these guys, they come in a delegation. He says, come and tell us. And he's so excited, he gets his family. That's what the verses said. He gets his friends. He gets those folks that he loved. You know, if there's going to be some good news, then I want you, brother or sister, to hear the good news. And so he gets everybody that he loves. 
and he assembles them and they're sitting there in this room and you can hear their breath as they breathe and they're sitting there in this room and they don't even know what the good news is going to be but they know in their hearts they're longing for the good news. They want to know how to have fellowship with a God. They look around, surely there's a God. Tell me how to have peace with him. And in comes Peter and he has these folks with him and he sits down, he stands there and he starts to tell them, there is good news, brothers. There is hope. There is good news. There is a Savior. There is good news. There is the forgiveness of sin. Each and every sin is forgiven. It is paid for. He tells them the good news. And then he says this, and it is for you. You're not cut off. You're not outside of God's grace. You're not beyond the reach of God's love. And they hear the good news. And the Bible says they're filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And it's clear they're saved. They praise God. And then there's a baptism. Oh, can you picture that celebration? This is Cornelius. Cornelius, in obedience to the command of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, upon your public profession of faith in him, we, the church, baptize you, our brother, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ in darkness, raised to walk in a new way of life. Can you picture that scene? Cornelius comes up out of the water and the water falls off. And he has peace with the God that created him. He knows Jesus. Oh, can you picture that celebration? Can you picture that celebration? I don't know how many were in his family. I don't know how many that he brought there, but another and another, and he comes up out of the water. Praise the Lord! We know Jesus. Praise the Lord! And another and another and another and another and another. Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! We found Jesus. Oh, can you imagine that celebration? The gospel is for all people and God demonstrates it. There is salvation in Jesus and another and another and another. Praise Jesus. The end of the verse, it says this. And they asked him to stay on for a few days. Well, of course they did. There is a new fellowship found only in Jesus a new celebrating family established in Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for your grace. I'm thankful for your kindness. I'm thankful for your truth that you don't leave us to just bang around and figure it out, but you tell us here's where there's hope, here's where there's peace, Thankful for salvation for myself, for sinners like me, those that knew the right thing and did the wrong, those that knew the wrong thing and ran to it anyway, those that rebelled against your name, those that slandered your name, but in your grace and your kindness, not because of our deeds, but because of your character, you save us. Praise the Lord. Praise the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray if there's one here that doesn't know you today, I pray that as they as they stew in the mess of this world, as they hurt in the things of this world, as they long for peace, 
They try to look every which way as they try to hide it and numb it. But today they would see the glorious gospel of salvation and the forgiveness of sin through Jesus. Lord, move in their hearts. Lord, remove any hindrance. Let today be the day of their salvation. Lord, I pray for us here today as believers. We wouldn't cheapen our gospel by believing another. We would understand in these last days as the time grows urgent, it's not going to be popular, but the Word of God says there's one way to meet Jesus. And I pray that we would uphold that gospel, preach that gospel, teach that gospel. Lord, I pray the result wouldn't be anything for us, but it would be great glory for you. Help us in that. Lord, I'm thankful for the 10th chapter of Acts that told me the gospel is for all people. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.